the history of the church in America has not ever had anything happening to it like what is happening to it currently in our culture. I mean, just one example, what they are discussing in D.C. right now is the Equality Act. The Equality Act, it sounds good as far as a term is is concerned, but it's not about equality at all. It is one more direct hit that they are making on the church. As they're really as you get underneath it and realize what they are saying, they want to censor the local church and criminalize the local church. But that's not all that's been happening uh, to the local church over the past few years and even over the past decade. And as I've been thinking about these things, I've been thinking about our pastors, the good shepherds, those who love their flock and want to lead them well. They are humbly submitting themselves to God Almighty, and and they are studying scriptures diligently, and they are faithfully administering the Word of God to their people because they love their people, and they want their people to grow up into the unity of the faith. And in the past, we've been able to do that. Uh, as a pastor, I walked in those shoes for a while, and it was hard. Pastoring's never been easy, but it's different now. In the old days, it was just a degradation of the culture. It's just uh, the, the pagan world doing what they do as they stumble all over themselves to see how degrading they can be. But now it's more acute. It is a full frontal assault on the local church, on the freedom of speech, specifically in communicating the message of Christ in the ways that we always have. Things have changed dramatically over the past few years. And so my heart has been gravitating toward these good shepherds and thinking about them and, and how can I serve them? How can I come alongside them to be able to help them as they carry the weight of a responsibility that continues to mount as the culture and the political systems increase in, in their desires to censor and, again, even criminalize what we've had the freedom to do for many, many generations. The pastors are the first line of attack on the church. When they come after the churches, they come after the pastors first. And so in this podcast, this is episode 306, the title of it is The Pain Points of Pastoring in a Hostile, Chaotic Culture. You can check out these show notes if you want to. Again, episode 306. And six. My name is Rick Thomas. This is the Life Over Coffee podcast. And if you want to read or listen to more podcasts or articles about this, I have written extensively about what is going on in our culture. Uh, for example, I just finished a podcast about uh, a question that, that came to us. Uh, are Zoom meetings, does that mean a, a church is forsaking the assembly I just did another one, episode 302, where someone wrote in and asked, are we to passively watch our Constitution erode? And I have several others that are linked here, like fighting the culture war for the sake of our children, or the transgender problem is the tip of the iceberg, or learning how to respond to a world you don't like anymore. 
my point is I've I've written a lot. I've produced a lot of content. And if you're in that place to where you just want to dedicate some time thinking about what your role and responsibility is, then I would encourage you to check out these podcasts. And we have articles as well on our website. And for those of you who want to dialogue with us, we would love that. We have free forums that you can come to. It doesn't cost you a dime. It is one way that we can serve the church, serve the body of Christ, serve you. And so if you want to talk to us, please jump on our forums and ask whatever question that's on your mind. It doesn't matter to us. What matters to us is that we want to serve you, and and we can do that if you let us. And so you ask your questions, and, and we would be glad to do that. And if it's about this topic, the cultural and political influence on the church, well, that that is the biggest talking point in America right now and probably the biggest talking point around the world. And so therefore, in addition to doing these other podcasts that I just mentioned to you, I wanted to deal with one specifically with just pastors. Again, that's where my heart has been as I've been thinking about them because they are the first point of attack they are the people at the head of the line. They are the ones that lead our local churches. And so as I roll in through into this podcast and roll through it, I want to do it in two parts. I, I want to talk about our call. I titled this the call, the call to All. And then I also want to talk about the pastor's pain points and the pressure that pastors are under. But before I get to that, I want to talk about the call that's on all of us, you and me, those of us who are not pastoring. My prayer is that the church will speak out more than we are doing currently. Some of you are speaking out, and you are fulfilling. You're filling up your capacity. You're filling up the sphere of influence where you live, and you're doing what you can. But I know that all of us aren't. And, and my prayer is that all of us will, and that we will use our gifting, we will use the influence that we have, whatever it may be, big or small, it doesn't matter as long as we fill up our capacity and fill up our influence by speaking out. And so I, I want all of us to do this. I'm not just talking about leaders, but every one of us. We cannot submit to censoring from the outside or self-censoring. And self-censoring is one of the things that, that many of us are doing. And I've, I've heard report after report after report, testimony after testimony of people saying that I would speak up, but I am afraid. And I, I understand that. I, I am not any different from, from the rest of you. I, I feel that pressure, and I, I know that that pressure is there. And when they turn their sights on you, there is a temptation to censor yourself or to apologize for beliefs that you know are true because they are rooted in God's Word. But we can't do that any longer. And all of us need to become busier in more redemptive measures, spreading the fame of Christ by providing a better answer to the depravity of humanity that confronts and speaks into their utopian impossibilities. Because the culture doesn't have an answer. I think most of you know that the word utopia, utopian, 
It means no place, meaning there is no such place as utopia. But that is their presupposition. That is the filter through which they interpret life. And they believe that if they can position and maneuver and wrench things around to such a degree and such a perspective that they will arrive at this utopian state where everybody is happy. And we know that that is not possible. It is absolutely impossible. It's not going to happen in a, a totally depraved world, a fallen world. But we are not people who are without hope. But we deal with the reality of what we have, and rather than manipulating our minds and thinking that we can we can tweak the world into a utopian state, we deal with the reality of the fallenness, and we operate from a position of hope that is in our heart. And that hope positions us to where we can overcome practically Whatever the fallen, whatever the outcome of the fallenness is in any of our lives. And so we come at it from a different perspective. And we need to be sharing that message because we do have a better answer. And so I have been proactively praying, thinking, talking, implementing. For example, within this own ministry, what I believe are, are the right ideas and the right strategies for us to be able to speak out and to communicate in ways that will not just impact the culture, but also impact your lives as well. And I'm not asking you to recreate or to do anything similar to what we are doing. I'm asking you to do uh, what your gift mix would permit you to do, what your uh, influence will permit you to do, and what your time and abilities will permit you to do, I'm asking you to do that. And I'm also saying that that I am not just asking you to do something that I'm not doing myself. As I said, I have been proactively praying, thinking, talking, implementing what I believe are the right ideas and strategies for this ministry, knowing that that they they may turn their attention on us and, and there will be that temptation to self-censor and to uh, not uh, face the spear, so to speak, when they come for us. Uh, just to give you an illustration of how that could happen, they, you know, they they look on what we do as you know when we help people. Let's say somebody was struggling with same-sex attraction, and we would w- help to try to walk them through that. They would call that conversion therapy, and and in some places around the world, that is actually illegal. And it's coming here as well. And so I know that our ministry faces not unique strategies, but unique temptations and and unique um, hostilities. But but we have to move forward anyway, and we can't self-censor. And we have to communicate the practical message of Christ, hoping uh, that we will be able to win a few people, that God would be able to turn the tide, uh, that God would be able to capture dark hearts. And, and so we want to do that as effectively as we possibly can. And that's what I'm asking you to do as well. One of the quotes that I have been reflecting on over the past couple of weeks is a quote from Polycarp in early 
church father. He said this at his death. Here's the quote. Eighty and six years have I served Christ, nor has he ever done me any harm. How then could I blaspheme my king who saved me? I bless thee for deeming me worthy of this day and this hour, that I may be among thy martyrs and drink the cup of my Lord Jesus Christ. And then the fires took him to heaven. This is not hyperbole. It never was hyperbole, but I know in our postmodern minds, it could sound hyperbole because we can't put ourselves in that context. Well, that context is moving ever so close to where we are today. And that's why my heart has been heavy uh, in a sense, not heavy in a despairing way, but heavy in an appropriate way, as I've been thinking about our pastors, because they are the ones, as I said, are the first line of attack. They are the ones under the most pressure. Let's just take a moment to think about that, of what it means uh, to be a pastor. You see, the pressures of our pastors is, is multifaceted. It's protecting the flock. That's an essential part of pastoring, is keeping their jobs, their vocation, is trying not to go to jail. Uh, just to mention three things. I mean, imagine if those three things were on your list of to-dos for this week, this month, this year. You want to protect your family. You want to keep your job. You don't want to go to jail. There are some pastors already been sent to jail. Some of you have heard about the pastor in, in Canada who made a decision, and maybe you would agree or not agree with the decision. That's, I, I, can't, I can't speak into that, but he made a decision that he believes it's right, and he went to jail for it. Put yourself in that position, protecting your family, keeping your job, and not going to jail. Those things those things are, are more real today than they have maybe ever been in, in the history of, of this country. And that's why the Polycarp quote is, is not that far out of bounds anymore. It is, it is getting ever so close to the reality of the lives that, that we are living today and our wonderful freedom of speech comforted so many amenities, world that we live. If these complexities of a pastor confronted any of us, how, how would we respond? I know that our responses would be different for each one of us, because no two pastors or no two people are, are equal, so we would respond differently without question. But if those complexities came to us, what would we do? Can we just carry that for just a moment in our minds and think about uh, the person who's bringing the Word of God to you on a daily basis? The pressure and perplexity that pastors face and the things that they foresee, they're really staggering. I mean, nobody could have predicted the severity of our culture's desire to dominate us. And it is on a granular level I am doing this podcast in early March of 2021, and just a few days ago, they there was a, a ban placed uh, on six of Dr. Seuss's books. Can you imagine that? Dr. Seuss, who's been dead for many decades now, 
but he wrote many books, and many of us have read those books. I read those books as a child and and truly enjoyed them. It took me to a imaginary, fantastical place. It was it was a wonderful respite from uh, the depraved world in which I lived as a child, and I have an affinity and 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 sentimental appreciation for for Dr. Dr. Seuss and had no idea that uh, it should be censored. But it is. Uh, I mean, we are basically book burning now. And that's where we are in America. And that's what I mean by a granular level. I mean, they're getting into every possible nook and cranny of our lives, because if they can get into the warp and woof of our lives, they can begin to dismantle all of us and what we believe. It is a full frontal, unapologetic assault on our liberties, and each person will process how to react to what the government is doing differently. And there is a lot of noise from Christians, you know, about wearing masks and not wearing masks and how to do church, as I did an entire podcast about Zoom meetings. And I'm not minimizing any of those things. And for the record, someone asked, where do you stand on this? Well, I don't like masks and I don't like Zoom meetings as far as doing church meetings. I don't I don't like them. I like the way that, that we've always done things. I like walking around without a mask on and and I like meeting in a building with the church. Uh, for us, it's, it's once a week on Sunday morning. And then there's all these other church meetings during the week, whether they're small group or, or Bible studies or meeting with a few friends at the coffee shop. But there's many meetings throughout the week, the month and year with the church, all these church meetings. And I, I love them all. And love participating in them. And now we can't or haven't been able to over the, over the past year, even though many states are now uh, removing these lockdown policies and these restrictions. Uh, but a lot of Christians made a lot of noise about this as these pressures came and these interruptions to our lives. And I don't want you to hear me minimizing these things as though they're not important because, again, <laughs> I don't— I don't like them either, and I have done several podcasts. I've written articles. I've produced videos on these subjects. But the culture, in typical fashion, they're more uh, proactive, while Christians are more reactive. And it's been interesting, though not a surprise, that the Christian community has been more reactive. Uh, The culture has been steadily, not even in a stealth mode, but steadily moving in their assault on our liberties and our our Christian values. And we've been more on the defensive watching these things and reacting to them, and not just reacting to them, but in some cases biting and devouring each other, to take Paul's language right out of the text in Galatians. And that's not good. We can't do that, and that creates an additional pain point Uh, for a pastor. That makes it even harder for a pastor to pastor. You know, it's like a a dad or a mom trying to parent, and the the children are just biting and devouring one another. The children are are disruptive. You see, a pastor wears many hats, and even though he is 
a shepherd over a flock, the most vital, the, the hats that he wears are the hats of a husband and a father, assuming he's married and, and has children. A pastor like us has a family. He has a family that he loves. He has a family that he wants to care for in the best possible ways. And then he also has the church that he loves with all of his soul. Imagine combining all of these things together. You have a spouse, you have children, you have a church. That creates a combination of a 24-7 pressure on the pastor because it doesn't matter where he is. He is always in some context with people that he loves and wants to protect. The typical believer can leave his job at the end of the day and, and not carry his job home with him, not so with a pastor. A pastor always carries his job home with him. A pastor has never a pastor has never had a day off, even when he's had a day off. And I did not realize this until I stopped pastoring. We had Mondays off every Monday. Every Monday we were off. That was called our day off. It's not true. I mean, it is on paper. It is according to your paycheck. But you don't have a day off because that's not how pastoring works. It's not like you can set the burdens of the church aside at midnight on Sunday night and pick them up at midnight on, on Monday night or Tuesday morning. No, no, pastor never has a day off. There is no sphere of his life where he's not carrying the weight of those he loves, whether it's his family or the local church. And that weight is enormous. But pastors get used to it, and they become so used to it, used to it, that they don't even realize what is happening to them. Again, like the frog in the kettle, slowly, incrementally, ratcheting up the heat, and you just get used to it. And then you add just the normal role of a pastor, where there is no situation where they are outside of the sphere of caring and loving protecting, guiding, influencing somebody, whether it's a spouse or children or the church. And then the culture begins bearing down on you with pressure tactics and political maneuvers, all designed to harass you. Of course, their ultimate goal is to shut you down. Typically, when these pressures arise, the sheep become agitated and frightened, as I was talking about earlier. And we've seen this in the year 2020 where the sheep were, you know, in, in Psalm 23, it talks about he leads us beside still waters. Part of why he, it, he leads us beside still, the waters have to be still because it's hard for sheep to walk beside waters that, that are loud and noisy, and they, they need a calm environment. And when pressures arise and these discomfort comes into our lives, the sheep become agitated and frightened. And so now you have the shepherd that he's weighing and balancing family and friends and flock. And some of them can do this very well. Others struggle. Some of them struggle and you don't even know it because they aren't reaching out or they don't reach out and you don't know the pressures that they are under. And you see them Sunday to Sunday and you think that they're doing well, but they're slowly burning out because of this 24-7 context in which they're in where they're always caring for someone and these pressures are coming in. No two pastors are the same. And maybe one of the things that would help 
is for you to try to put yourself in their shoes and, and think about, you know, what would it be like if I was that person leading a, a congregation, a flock, and then just having normal responsibilities that the rest of us have? Here are a few questions that I want you to think about. How would you respond if someone was trying to shut down your livelihood, for example? How would you respond if someone was trying to shut down your livelihood? Now, by the way, many of you have experienced that because many of you have lost your livelihood because of what happened in, in 2020. How would you respond if outside forces were attacking your friends? Thinking about outside forces attacking the local church, attacking the sheep, attacking the church. And, and a shepherd, he sees that, and he sees these outside forces coming for his friends. How would you, what would you think about, how would you respond if, if people were attacking your friends? What decisions would you make in light of such persecution? Uh, who is helping you process these things and work through these things? Who is hindering you as you try to progress through these things in a spirit of unity? And so these are just a few questions that you could, you could think about as you think about your pastors and what they're going through during this time. What can you do in response to this? This is episode 306. I titled this podcast, The Pain Points of Pastoring in a hostile and chaotic culture. And so let me wrap up with what can you do? What can I do? Well, every Christian should be praying daily for the leadership of their churches. We want to be carrying our pastors. We want to be carrying our leadership in our hearts. If we are not carrying them in our hearts, then whatever disagreements we have with them will complicate their lives unnecessarily. You, you can think about your spouse, for example. Let's say that you're married and you have a disagreement with your spouse, but you're not carrying your spouse in your heart that you haven't spent days, years. Let's say you've been married for five years, 10 years, and you haven't spent that time carrying your spouse in your heart and praying for your spouse whenever you have a disagreement. If you have a disagreement with anyone that you haven't been carrying in your heart, well, then that disagreement, it's not going to come out well, not going to come out of your mouth well, and it's not going to turn out well because your heart has not been conditioned by love and prayer, mercy and grace and peace and gratitude for this, for this person in your life. And so one of the things that we have to do is that we have to position our hearts before the Lord and and begin to take our pastors and our leadership to the Lord, carry them in our hearts, carry them to the Lord. And then when we get into these situations like masks, for example, in Zoom meetings and whatever in the world uh, the culture is going to throw at us next, we have done the prerequisite work of carrying them in our hearts. And so if we disagree with how our leadership is processing this or that, well, we are ready to enter into that disagreement because our hearts have been rightly aligned with God and with those that have been given the, the right and the authority and the privilege to be able to serve us in leadership roles. And what I'm not saying is that you have to agree with all your pastor's decisions. 
I'm not saying that at all. I'm not suggesting blind authoritarianism or lockstep adhesiveness that minimizes the excellent work of the Spirit in your life because you are a a free agent uh, in God and you have the Holy Spirit working in your life. And I am not, and I have come out of authoritarian cultures and heavy handedness and I do not believe in that lockstep adhesiveness to the church or any leader as some of them try to uh, present themselves that way and mandate themselves that way. I'm not saying that at all. Um, But if the person with whom you disagree is not first and foremost in your heart, whatever your differences are, those differences will divide you, not unify. The goal is not to create. Here, here's the bottom line, and I'll be done. The goal is not to create even a hairline crack in your local body. That's the aim. And regardless of where you land on secondary issues, regardless of how you differ from, from your leadership, you cannot create or you cannot contribute to any division in the body. There is a proper way to disagree and to discuss. This is episode 306, The Pain Points of Pastoring in a Hostile, Chaotic Culture. I hope the Spirit of God is giving you a greater affection for your leadership. And if so, will you go and tell them that? Let them know that you love them and you're carrying them in your heart. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.